Well, one of you asked a question and got me thinking, can Oregon have a top three offense and defense in the Pac-12 this year? The answer is yes, they can. Here's how. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch this show. Today, we got my man Ryan Winter at Sports Chat 503 to go through an assortment of questions, including a couple out of the mailbag, and he is channeling his inner Franklin Delano Roosevelt here with the fireside chat. Literally, for those listening on podcasts, he is in front of a fire. He is at the beach on the Oregon coast. Ryan, I think this is just the second time maybe we've done a show together where we are both in the state of Oregon. The vibes are immaculate. Are we ready to talk some ducks? It's feeling good. I mean, it's just it, let's just let's just start there. It feels good. <laughs> Nighttime at the Oregon coast, breezes are flowing, the cabin's cooling down, the fire is crackling. It's just immaculate vibes out here. So this right. question came in that I want to talk about with you, Ryan. This came from Robin. So I like your coaching list for the pack, he says. It's fair, and I think next year it will be a different story because you will have seen more of what Dan can do. I agree. So do you think we have a shot of being a top three offense and defense in the pack this year? My, my initial reaction to this question, Ryan, was, ah, you know, that's that, that's that's asking a lot. You got a lot of good teams in the pack 12 I, I don't know that Oregon can necessarily be top three in both, maybe top four, top five in both. But then I looked at where they were last year, Ryan, and – Boy, you just wouldn't need too much growth or too much potential regression from some other teams to that for that to happen because they were fourth in basically every category, yards and points per game on uh, both sides of the ball, except they were fifth in points per game last year. I think if the offense can replicate its production, you could see some other teams pull back. You could see Oregon maybe even take a step forward if Will Stein is the man. And I think you could definitely see some defensive growth. Yeah, uh, I think everybody's worried about the defense, right? So I think the, if the offense holds up, you'd, you'd assume the offense is going to be top three in the in the conference. You know, I, you know, you you spend a lot more time. You know, shouts out to you, locked on Pac-12, working on a lot of the other teams. I kind of start to focus on the other teams in the off season a little bit, but it is one of these times to think about. Uh, you know, where does Oregon stack up comparatively? You, you would assume USC's probably got the best offense. You would assume Washington's got a great offense based on their numbers last year. Um, and then defensively, you know, if Oregon is even top six, it feels like they're in a massive, massive jump forward from what they were last year in a couple of categories. So I'm, 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 I'm thinking it's a little high to think that you're, you're, you're top three in both. But here's my theory on this one. I think Oregon might be – Oregon and – I think Washington has something to say about this too – might be the best of the top four teams in balance. I think this, I think this year going into it, I think that this defense is going to play a lot better. I have I have higher expectations for the defense this year than I did last year. Last year it felt like there were some missing pieces there. That felt like there was some maybe mismatch of coaching staff to player development, whatever the case may be. Players on the way out the door, the extra COVID year. 
I think this year there's going to be some guys locked in. I think you have a very strong veteran defensive line, and it always helps you to start there. I think you have a lot of guys to work with there. I think you have a new kind of different way to look at how to work on the back end where you have guys moving around, Jamal Hill moving up, and, you know, you have that's just there's there's kind of something happening there that maybe is a change of the guard, which they need. So if the Ducks feel like they're like five or six uh, defensively, they're assuming a marked improvement. If they're third, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I think that'd be in a pretty good spot. By the way, Ryan, those defensive guys, they're not locked in. They're locked on. Yeah, Come they're on locked now. on. We, we got it. We got to keep the brand rolling. Exactly. <laughs> rolling along. I totally here. agree. So uh, one reason offensively, I think top three in the Pac-12 is possible. They were fourth in yards and points per game a season ago. The team immediately ahead of them was number one ahead by a fraction. And number two, the team that was third in both yards and points per game in the Pac-12 last year was UCLA who I've got pegged Ryan as a pullback team, still a good football team, but I just see the loss of DTR and think there, there's got to be some regression there. And when you're regressing at the most important position, you don't have Zach Charbonnet anymore, who was really, really good. They have to replace Jake Bobo in their receiving core as well. Now they've done that. J. Michael Sturdivant's a legit number one wide receiver who was at Cal last year. We saw him make a couple big catches uh, against the Ducks in that game in Berkeley. But that's why I feel like the offense can take that step forward is because it require it would probably require UCLA to take just like a small step back and, you know, they were basically identical a year ago. I mean, we're talking uh, three more yards per game by UCLA and uh, 0.4 more points per game. I think there's a higher probability Oregon, with what they bring back, is able to replicate their success from a season ago than UCLA that I think has just lost a lot more uh, offensively. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, I think it just comes down to the Ducks because they were, you know, fourth, actually, in yards per game allowed last year and fifth in points per game, but I feel better about the defensive personnel making a stride than I do concern about the offensive personnel maybe maybe taking a step back. It's mm, a good point. You know, it, 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 that's what we love about this part of the year, right? Is the mystery of it. You know, there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, conjecture going on, right? There's a lot of the people, different ideas of what you could do, maybe get, go this way, go that way, and there's always going to be some people surprise you. Chip Kelly tends to be one of those coaches that surprises people, so... I, I do think they're going to be a team that probably is not as maybe competitive as they were last year um, at times, but they're, they're still going to surprise people. They're going to, they're going to beat somebody that they shouldn't. And they're going to probably rack up their I, I would assume they're in that eight to nine win type of potential team. I feel like they're more seven to eight. That, that, I, I can see that. Too. I just, like, I just I think, think this I, is the year think, where. Yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just think there's a lot of parody. This is a year where, you know, you have, you have a lot of teams that can beat a lot of, the teams on a lot of given uh, weekends. So, you know, UCLA is a team that, you know, surprised me last year that, that Oregon handled them as easy as they did in that game. It felt like that was a big game and a big moment. And it felt like UCLA was going to be right there at the end of that game. And it was going to be, you know, kind of whoever had the ball last. And then there were other times in the year where they played really, really good football. So I don't know. I, I think Oregon has to really step up offensively to match the intensity that they had last year. Um, I think Will Stein's got his hands full a little bit. I think he's got a lot of expectations, and we'll see how it happens. Uh, he's got the weapons to do it. We'll just see how it goes. Yeah, the, the other thing with, with, with UCLA is I feel like they have the potential and they do have the weapons, and they've brought in a good transfer portal class to be a productive offense again. But I always, in football, Ryan, lean towards continuity 
over turnover. Sure. And I think Oregon, from a personnel standpoint, has more continuity now. And UCLA's got continuity with the play caller, right? Because it's Chip Kelly. He's, you know, head coach and offensive coordinator. We we know how that tends to go. But DTR was, you know, not not just a leader in production and playing quarterback, but he he was their emotional. He was their spiritual leader. Oh, and God, yeah. I, I mean, he was that guy in the locker room. And, and for Oregon, offensively, that guy was Bo Nix. And Alex Forsyth as well. But you have Bo Nix back, and, and UCLA's not. So I, I feel better about the Ducks than UCLA offensively this year at this point in time. Now, this is an Oregon show, so maybe I'm, I'm underselling the Bruins here, but I feel like they are a 7-8 to eight win team. Wouldn't be shocked if they had kind of a pullback year and went all the way back to 6-6. Six and six. Like, that wouldn't blow me out of the water. and th- I, I would think it's ridiculous. It, it kind of depends, really, on what they can get out of the quarterback position. I just like where Oregon is at. Uh, on on that side of things. And I also like where Oregon is at defensively. We're just doing a, a direct UCLA comparison here. But, you know, last year, the defenses that finished above the Ducks, Washington, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, and, and Utah in, in kind of the key categories there. We got to talk about how Oregon can uh, catch them defensively here. But we got to talk about FanDuel as well, because that is America's number one sports book. Baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. If you think I'm right on UCLA, bet them under 8.5 wins. If you think I'm wrong, bet them over 8.5. Oregon's win total tied for the highest in the Pac-12 at 9.5, whatever you're feeling. Go bet it at FanDuel. Don't miss your chance. To snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. I love FanDuel. They got everything you need. FanDuel's got everything you need. And I only have everything I need to continue with the show when I've had the second segment sip, which we have completed. So we're ready to rock and roll. So, Let's talk about the defense taking a step forward here, Ryan, because, you know, I also look at the other defenses that were ahead of uh, Oregon a season ago. I like Washington State's head coach, Jake Dickert. I think he's really good, but there is a personnel gap there. And if Oregon plays to, to their potential, they have more talent top to bottom than Washington State, than Oregon State, probably than USC defensively, though the Trojans have brought in some some notable players on the defensive side, particularly along the defensive line and Bear Alexander and, and Anthony Lucas, a couple of former five-star guys. But sure. what do you think is kind of the key for this defense to kind of unlock its potential? Because, yeah, there, there, there are a couple questions here and there. What do you have at linebacker? You have potential, maybe not so much experience with guys uh, like Jamal Hill and, and Justin Jacobs. The secondary, you've got potential, but you don't have a season's worth of high-level production like you had with Christian Gonzalez. A, a year ago and you do have that I think with the safeties with Tysheem Johnson Evan Williams but defensive line like I, I see so much that I like but I just don't know exactly you know what buttons do you think Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy have to push to make this defense play at a really high level that's a good question I mean I, I think what what they missed out on last year was the speed you know they, th- they just felt like they were a step slow a little bit last year what I was really impressed with Washington State was their speed on defense. Yes. They attacked the edges. They were really, really good. <clears throat> their linebackers were all over the field. 
And so, you know, Dan Lanning has talked about being a guy who wants more speed on the, on, on the team, especially defensively. So you see a, a lighter, leaner, faster linebacker come in. Uh, like you mentioned, Jacobs, you mentioned, you know, Jamal Hill coming down, you know, other, other sorts of like, you know, body type differences that you saw with the past. And uh, I think that's a fantastic situation. You have to start, I feel like you always have to start with the defensive line. You're not going to change the body type of defensive linemen, really, but you're, you, you are maybe going to change where they, where they play and how they play, what their assignment is. And uh, so I'm, I'm really impressed with guys who stuck around another year, guys like Taki, Casey Rogers, you know, you have guys, Popo, who are really excited to come back and play another year. I think I think that's where it all starts. Then you have to have those linebackers ready to rumble. I think the backside is is, is, is the real question mark to me. You know, what's it going to look like when the young guys come out? And, you know, looking at those other schools, though, I think it's important to kind of see kind of where it goes from here because I think Oregon State's got to depend on their defense to be in it this year. If you talked about UCLA, let's just talk about the Pac-12 for a second. If you talk about UCLA sliding back a little bit, who's going to take their spot? And it feels like Oregon State could be that team this year. It feels like Oregon State's a team that's right on the cusp. If they get things cracking the right way, they've got the better quarterback. That was what they were missing last year. Good offensive line, too. They have a good offensive line, and they they like to run football. Historically, they always have a really good offensive line. I think this year they have a great offensive line. I think they had a great offensive line last year. Uh, They just really couldn't do much with the quarterback position. And – you know, your best quarterback was probably a linebacker up there. That was kind of a weird spot last year. They, they lost a lot with their seniors, but they've done pretty well with recruiting. And I just love Jonathan Smith. I love what he's doing. They're opening the new building. I wouldn't be surprised if they have kind of a magical type of a year where it all comes down to the uh, good old Civil War, and it could really be a deciding uh, game to uh, both those teams finish this year. So I, I don't know. I, I think Oregon, I think if Oregon is right behind those schools, Utah's always good defensively. They're always like the number one or number two school defensively, it feels like. They're that's just, just what they are. That's just how who they are. That's how they're built. That's their identity. Uh, and then it just depends on how good their offense is, right? And lately their offense has been great. So, uh, and then you have Washington. I think Washington's always been a good defensive school. They've always had great athletes. And I think that they've always just had the talent to do it. It's just whether or not they have the good coaching staff to do it, the X's and O's. And obviously they didn't with, you know, the Lake experience. And now they're in a situation where they're, uh, I think they've got a really good coach with good minds up there. I think they'll do great. I think Washington is going to be a really good team this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington won every single game, except for maybe one or two. And maybe hopefully one of those is the Ducks up there in Seattle. Boy, I cannot wait for that game. I'm yeah. telling you, you got, you got to try to find a way to that one. I, I, I know. It's on, it's, on my list, on, it's on my list of things that I would like to figure out because oh, it'd, be, it, it'd, be, it'd be quite an awesome game. And, and just, 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 what I love ahead. about it is the setup for it. You have both the quarterbacks that are returning. You yep. have everything lined up for it. Both these teams. It everything feels like that happened last year, too. Everything that happened last year and the year before. They still are remembering the COVID. There's still people on this team that – was about the Washington Oregon thing and the COVID thing, and Washington was pissed that Oregon went to the championship. And you know, and there's a lot of bad blood in this. Rivalry there's always blood, bad blood. It's the border war. Yeah. I mean, like that's my point is there's our, there's a hundred years of bad blood already. <laughs> Add to yeah. it the last three or four years that's been really up and down and dicey makes that game in Seattle just extra spicy this year, and so. Again, I think that Oregon needs to kind of look at uh, the, the the linebackers, I think, and uh, because that's a real question mark this year. You've got to uh, – basically, I think you're you, – outside of Bossa, you've got everybody brand new because, you know, you were thinking Keith Brown was going to be your other starting middle linebacker. He's gone. 
right? You have a bunch of other shakeup there with obviously the guys leaving. And now you have guys in there that maybe are kind of question marks. But I tend to think that Dan Lanning likes question marks. And I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong, especially when it comes to the defense. Defense is Dan Lanning's baby. And that was a problem last year. Yeah. And, you know, just a quick note on, on Washington. Like they, when they were really good, you know, winning the Pac-12, going to the playoff, those Chris Peterson teams had decent offenses, but they had great defenses, right? Great I mean, they were, they, they were DBU. NFL. Yeah, they, they had a bunch of NFL players on the back end of that defense. I, I wonder with Washington, you know, what is their defensive identity now with Kalen DeBoer at the helm? Because a lot of times your team, not always, but your team will kind of take on the personality of your head coach. He's an offensive guy, and we've seen more than a few offensive coaches struggle to build a good defense. Chip Kelly at UCLA comes to mind. Lincoln Riley anywhere comes to mind. Ryan Day at Ohio State. It's just those sorts of things get overlooked. It's not as much of priority, not as much of their philosophy. They want to score a bunch of points, but they do have some nasty, nasty defensive linemen. Braylon Trice is a dude. That is yeah. a, that is a that is a big time dude. But Oregon's got to be able, I think, defensively to have the, the, those same sorts of players, those same sorts of you, you know, intimidating playmakers that can show up in, in key moments when, when you need them to. And I'm glad that you, you brought up Washington because it's a great parlay into kind of our next topic. This question came from Adam. He said, catching up on the shows, curious who you think we have a better chance on the road against, Washington or Utah? I feel good about the Texas Tech game, but worry for the other two for sure. I think we have a better chance against the Utes if it was neutral, but the home field advantage is really strong. So I almost worry more about that game due to the atmosphere. I think UW might be better, the better team in comparison, but the home field advantage isn't as strong as Utah's will be for them. Hopefully that made sense. What are your thoughts? I, I tend to agree here. I'll, I'll let you go first here and kind of a- answer that one, Ryan. Okay, Washington one more time. Or... Who, who, who said that? Because that was a freaking great question. It, it, it was. This is this is Adam who sent in this question, and he Adam. knows which well, Adam. I'm sure there's more than one Adam out there, but it is it is Adam. a fantastic question. That's, that was well worded. You're a wordsmith, Adam. Was that on Twitter? <laughs> was that on was that, is that Instagram? Was uh, I think I think it was a YouTube YouTube, YouTube comment. YouTube. I. You know, I, I get questions. I throw them in I the mailbag. It. I don't document mailbag. where they're from, but people know how to get them, right? YouTube comments or Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. But right. what do you think about that, Ryan? You, you, you need to get that next one that's like, I'm not hard to find instead of <laughs> I ain't hard to find. The one that... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love this question because I'm going to both these games. I've got them awesome. circled. I'm, yes, the Seattle game we just talked about. I think is every year is not really feel as a Portland guy doesn't really feel like uh, too much of a road game. It feels like a necessity to go to that game. It's a game I've been to countless times. And um, well, I mean, I probably could count them to be honest, um, but I've been, I've, I've been to that game a lot. And my point being is Seattle is something that is a different animal. And when the Huskies are rolling, it's one of the best environments in the whole Pac-12, and it has been one of the best environments in the West Coast for decades. It's a beautiful a, setting for college football, that's for sure. I truly, truly say it's the greatest setting in college football. It's an old-school Keith Jackson sort of statement. Hey, the welcome back. The greatest <laughs> setting in college football. Keith Jackson. <laughs> you know, Notice how people, whenever they do an impersonation, they say the person's name. Hi everybody, I'm Keith Jackson. Fourth, everybody. Keith, you know, yeah. when, when, whenever 
if we're doing impressions of Keith Jackson, which apparently we are, that's where the show has gotten to at this point. The the thing that I always think of is his national championship call of Vince Young. You know, fourth <laughs> down and five. The greatest college football national game. championship on the line right here. Right, like that's the essence Absolutely of Keith. Poetic. That that moment epitomizes Keith Jackson as well as any other moment ever. It's perfect. It's a perfect call. You know, and to be honest, if you if you think about what we're doing right now, talking about college football in June, that game was like a catapult. That was like the end of an 100%. era. Oh, it's the, the greatest college football game era. ever played. It was a Rose Bowl, and Texas was playing in it. Yeah, well, it was a national championship game. Well, I, yeah. I understand, but my point is, here it is. It's in the road. It's kind of an ushered in a brand new era of this style of the grand done with the traditional. It's Keats, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, let's talk about road games. Okay, <laughs> Seattle is always a beast. You know, we always think that they pipe in the noise. Um, and that's always the complaint. We always, uh, you know, the, the, the way that they, uh, roll is just different up there. They have been like the twelves are totally different when it comes to compare everybody else to the NFL twelves are just a totally different animal. They're like, they're crazy. They're crazy. As someone who is a diehard Seahawks fan, the twelves (laughs) are crazy loud, loudest stadium I've ever been in ease easily. And I have a West coast dog pound. It's like they just they go nuts for their team, and and that's not exactly what you have for Huskies, but it's pretty close. And when they're rolling, again, you're you're the reason why I say it's the best college in college football. It's it's one of the only that you can roll up to in a boat. I think there's only like maybe four or five you can tailgating, man. That's the tailgating elite. That's is a next level. It's on a it's on a beautiful beautiful piece of real estate, one of the most beautiful piece of real estate on the West Coast, right on the lake in a major metropolitan city. I mean, you, it, there's not many cities like this. There's not many schools like this. So when when the Huskies are really good, Seattle shows up. It's classic West Coast. It's just like L.A. It's just like the Bay Area. And so you know, it's a big city, and Seattle really shows up. It really is a tough environment. When you go up there and win, when, it's, when it really matters, it's something. The crazy thing about the Washington-Oregon rivalry is there has not been that many years where they've both been good. This last five or six, seven years – since the bad time with Hellfrich, since getting pointed at, has been the time where both teams have been basically fairly good. I think I think in the early 2010s, Oregon was much better, but Washington was at least good. Like you had some games back around that time where you know Oregon was like top four, top five, and and Washington sure. was ranked in like the the low 20s, you know, like 23rd, sure. 25th or something, and Oregon beat them kind of handily those were good sure. matchups but i Don't agree I, I i agree with you by the way that in my, yeah in, in in my lifetime this season i think is going to have the most hype because even last year you know oregon i think was like eighth washington was 25th but going into this year you could have both of them in the top 10 that's never happened I'm not saying totally. it will happen. I'm saying that that's possible. They'll, totally. they'll at least both be top 20, assuming right. neither one implodes. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. you could have top 10. I think you probably, 15, almost assuredly, probably. will have a top 20 matchup there. And that hasn't Easy. happened super often. Easy. Easy. And I again, I just, yeah, it doesn't happen that often. I, that'd be a little thing to look at, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. Just do the last 20 years. I, again, Oregon has had really good times when Washington has been bad. Washington had really good times when Oregon was bad. 
they've rarely been good at the same time. And so it's just one of the, it, it, it amps up the rivalry even more and it just makes it even more. Now talk about Utah for a second, <laughs> bro. I don't think there's a better environment than Utah. You know, obviously we always are passionate thinking that we have the best environment with Autzen. We try to bring it dude. The must brings it. And so I'm going up there. I want to see it firsthand. Salt Lake City, again, major metropolitan city that does not have major uh, 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 football. I mean, they have the jazz, but they don't really have outside of that that much professional sports going on. They really dig in on Utah. Their football games, their basketball games, crazy attended. They, you, you call gymnastics. You've seen the, if you see the gymnastics in there, Dude, that's packed. Oh, yeah, they're so good. Like, oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll, 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 they'll bring it. it. You know this. And so yep. that's a game where. And Utah Gymnastics, by the way, just a quick aside, they are sick. Super good. <laughs> they're so crazy And, and it's good. fun to watch in that building because they really bring it. They really get into it. The crowd's really into it. You know, they're pumping up the crowd before they're doing their stunts, whatever. So. Utah game, I think, is going to be absolutely magical. It's it's all dependent on Rising's knee early in the year. I don't know if they're going to really be able to get out to the hot start they want to. They might lose a couple games early. They might be a team that is teetering a little bit. They're coming off two back-to-back Pac-12 championships. I doubt they're going to do a three-peat. And this could be a year that maybe, you know, something goes wrong for them. At the same time, they can beat anybody on any given weekend. And they're always good in the trenches on both sides. They're always really fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of penalties, and they don't hurt themselves. They're probably the best coach team in the league. So there's a lot of reasons why Utah becomes the the hardest road game as well. I think I tend to think the Ducks are going to play really well in Seattle. I think they beat Washington up in Seattle. I have a good feeling about that one. It's the Utah game that scares me. And actually, sidebar, it's that damn ASU Tempe game. I'm not nope. worried about that one yet. I, I well, know. I mean, I mean, I mean we, at the you got to wait and year, see what Arizona State is. At the end of the year, weird things happen. I think Kenny Dillingham's going to have a thing. But weird things have there. happened when Arizona State has been at least solid, not in year one of a rebuild with a first-time head coach. I, I agree. I and, agree. And iffy quarterback situation. I, I totally agree. I, I'm, I'm not trying to compare it onto those things. I'm just trying to say on that level. When I went, when I thought of where do I want to go this year, what game do I want to go to? I thought the Tempe game was going to be the easier game, the more of the solid win for the Ducks. And I thought that the Salt Lake game would be the better football game, but yeah. the potential that Oregon would lose that game. You know, so, but I do think it's it's still iffy going down the stretch. It's just hard to win every week. And I do think that Kenny Dillingham's going to have something going on, especially by the end of the year. They're going to start to get cooking a little bit. And and you know that good offense sometimes beat good defense out here on the West Coast. Yeah, it, it does it does happen. I'll share my thoughts on this real quick before we wrap up with uh, a couple of quick questions here for, for Ryan. I, I'm more pessimistic, shall we say, about the Utah game because of their home field advantage. Washington has a good home field advantage. Don't get me wrong there. It's not Utah's, though, because no. Utah... He's up there with Oregon and Oregon State as having had the best home field advantage for the last many, many years. They have been so, so tough to beat in Rice-Eccles. And we know that. We saw that firsthand and felt that where, you know, Oregon was really, was in a good spot, went in, got housed. We haven't gone in and gotten housed in Seattle before 
when we've been in a good position, right? We got blown out there in 2017 with Braxton Burmeister. Yeah, no, those no Justin Herbert. Not good though. Exactly. Yeah, that was at those games. That's exactly that's exactly games. my point. Is I've watched a good Oregon team go in and get blown out in Salt Lake City. I have not seen a good Oregon team yet go into Seattle and get blown out. So that's kind of just from a right. historical standpoint. My my only kind of kind of reservation there. Why I would lean towards Utah being the tougher game, but both are both are going to be tough. And I would just. I would advise Oregon fans consistently, do not sleep on that Texas Tech game. Do not. Yeah, what do you think about that Texas Tech game? Because I think we're only a four-point favorite for a reason. That is, that is not a big line. Advantage, it feels like the home field advantage plays really, really big early in the year. I, I completely agree because you have teams that are hungry and have a mindset of we can still be great, we can yeah, still be good, can win. and play with that same sense of urgency. It's not the same as when a team is you know, a four and seven and they're yeah. not able to make a bowl game late in the year and they're yeah. trying to pull an upset. That's a that's a different yeah. that's a different the football. You guys already team. spent the NIL money. <laughs> <laughs> that's an old no, that, that, that's an old Wiley veteran comment right there. <laughs> I totally agree though. It's like early in the year, these games are huge. I I, I that's one of the reasons why I don't want to go to Lubbock. No, People I like, like it though. Go to Lubbock. Give me on, give me Lubbock. a good Power Five matchup with a good crowd. That's what I want. I want Oregon to do it. I want every t- I want every Power Five team to do it. And and I think Texas Tech is good enough to warrant respect if the Ducks beat them, but also good enough to where if they beat the Ducks, the Ducks are not like, well, we didn't lose to Chop Liver. But it's also yeah. like, buddy, you should be you should be able to win that first those first you couple should, three you, games. You, you you should be able to four and one yeah. should be like the absolute bare minimum of what we consider acceptable and successful for those first five games. Because, you know, Oregon's going to be favored in every single one of those games. And Texas Tech should be the uh, the, the closest one. But fi- finally, I, I want to ask you this, Ryan, because I talked yeah. about in the last couple of days here on the show. I think the two leaders for Oregon this year are Bo Nix and Dan Lanning. That's not a hot take. You got a fifth-year quarterback and your head coach. Those are going to be two of your biggest leaders. I think they're facing two different sorts of tests that I want your thoughts on to to wrap up today's show. For Bo Nix, I think the biggest test is how do you succeed without Kenny Dillingham, where he's had his most productive years when Dillingham has been his O.C., what do you do with a new offensive line and a new offensive coordinator? And for Lanning, I think the opportunity to elevate your stock as a head coach and raise your profile because you come in, you have one good year with a couple of stumbles, and that's a good start. But if you come in, you go 10-2 and two and play for a Pac-12 championship game, suddenly fans look up and go, wait a minute, going into a Pac-12 championship game, Dan Lanning's 20-5 and five as a head coach? Yeah, that'd be... There'd be one one heck of a start. So what do you make of kind of the, the storylines for, for those two going into this season? Well, I like that. I, I like I there's a couple of things. First and foremost, I think Bonix has gotta be the Bonix of last year where he was not trying to make the home run play, where he was not playing as the quote unquote bad bow or the old Bonix or the guy who's trying to force it. He was using a lot of the field that uh, maybe he would not have used before, uh, meaning that he would maybe have only checked down to maybe the second or third receiver. He was going through all the progressions, uh, taking what the defense gave him, not necessarily running all the time. I think he's going to run even less this year. But I think there's also an added pressure on him, right? Because this is his last run. And he is a guy who, again, 
we all love Oregon quarterbacks, and I'm not trying to slander the guy in any way, but I don't think he's a Justin Herbert go to the NFL and take over type of guy. Oregon's only had one or two of those guys ever. He can make Dan, the NFL. Dan Fouts and Justin Herbert, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean know, Mariota was really Brock, good for a couple of years, and then you know fell off injuries, inconsistency, I mean, and a terrible from the quarterback position. Right. I mean, it's like you know, Jay. You know, I mean, AJ Feely had a longer career than probably a lot of other guys. But well, he my, was a kicker. No, no, no. AJ Feely was a backup quarterback. He was the. He was. The, he was Wait, the. Who guy am I who, thinking of? Yeah, AJ Jay Feely. Feely. I'm thinking of Jay yeah, Feely. Jay Feely. AJ Feely was a year older than Joey, and then Joey got the starting job in front of him, and they both went to the pros. Anyway, blah blah. My point being is, is that I do think that Bo has to just do what he did last year, which was, uh, you know, not try to force it. Okay. Now, talk about not trying to force it. Dan Lanning, I think, if he looks at everything last year, which of course these ca- these coaches do, they they now pour over all the film, everything else. I think he's going to kind of kick himself for going for some of those fourth downs. Now, I think I think there's it takes it takes a lot of heat when it doesn't work out. People don't remember the going for it against UCLA and BYU that worked out. I I understand, but even if those even those you have to look at from a situation of what would happen if you didn't do it, if you didn't make it right. So, I think that there's some things there where maybe just playing the percentage game a little bit for both these guys, instead of feeling like they have to make a huge big splash and make the home run play, take what the defense gives you. Go with the underneath stuff. Play the little bit of vanilla game a little bit. And I think both these guys are going to have learned a lot from their first year uh, in the major spotlight like this. Bo had been in the spotlight in the South, but it was a different spotlight at Oregon uh, last year. I mean, he was when, when, when he got this thing really rolling, uh, eyes were all on him. And there's a lot of eyes on him now. There's, there's Heisman talk on him now. So. Yeah, I no, I I think that's a great a great way of of looking at it, and that's why we bring on Ryan Winter at Sports Chat five hundred three on hey. Twitter and YouTube for the veteran perspective with the fireside chat today. We love it, Ryan. Thank you as always, man. Thank you so much. Sorry for talking so long, man. You know me, I love this. Sorry, who are you apologizing to? Me, the <laughs> listeners, the, the viewers. Everybody loves this sort of stuff. I love it. I love all of you for tuning in. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And until then, go Ducks.